Ready? Yep. Episode five of the Arm Barn Podcast. It is Sunday, May 21st. I'm your host, Peter Apple, but I'm playing point guard for our center, left-handed pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels, Tucker Davidson. We have a packed show today, Tucker. We're talking about your five favorite guys to watch right now on the mound. We're going to talk about this recent stretch of games with the Los Angeles Angels. But first, something that always confuses me in Major League Baseball is the day-to-day designation. We were talking about it pre-record. You go to you know ESPN and you look at the box score, and it gives you the guys who are kind of injured or might be injured, might not be, but they have the day-to-day designation. And you went on there. And I asked you pre-record, are you hurt right now? And you're like, no. So what qualifies day-to-day? And if you could break down kind of the situation which could have made you day-to-day by some person who hasn't been watching. So day-to-day is like kind of – basically, I'll tell you what happened. Took 106 to the shin uh, uh, and then got pulled. It was kind of one of those like, all right, like you got smoked. We already had the bullpen going. Like let's – this is just the time to come out. And so – you might wake up and your ankle's sore and you can't pitch the next day. So that's kind of the day-to-day thing where it might be like so-and-so got hit in the ribs and can he, is it broken? We kind of kind of have to see like, cause it's seven, eight o'clock at night whenever these things usually happen in games and even later and nothing's open. So you can't like go get an instant MRI. So it's kind of like, we have to wait and see how it develops or whatever the case may be. So that's usually what they call it day-to-day and like, it might be as, as little as like a blister or like guy's toenail cracks or because or he hit the ball off of it. Just like little things. Like some days like you might have a lingering issue of something and the next day you feel fine. So it's kind of like one of those like can't really tell you because it, one day it might feel good, one day it might not. But took 106 this in and didn't bruise at all. Like it was pretty crazy. The ball like literally ricocheted and like jumped to left field and he got a double, like a legit double where it was kind of crazy. So it hurt, but uh, I was fine and I'm good to go now. So does the team have to report that to somebody? Like how do, how does ESPN know that you would be day to day when you took that ball off the shin, but then you pitched last night and you're still day to day. Like who reports that? How would they even know? I think it's just like the beat writers or who like whoever's like assigned to like, that team essentially is like, oh, this is, and they just fill out right kind of report for like the press. And it's just like that. Or we might have like a press release where it's just like, yeah, Mike Trout got smoked in the forum. He, this actually happened the other day. He got smoked in the forum and you don't know how he's going to wake up the next day. He might not be able to like move the bat and be like, I can't get my hands through. And you don't want to throw him out there playing 50% out there. And it's like one of those. So it's one of those, it's just, you're going to have to listen to your body and everything, but everybody in the media is kind of like three days behind what's actually happening because you just got to have all the information before you start telling the media. Cause you can't say, Oh, something happened and it's a big deal. And then like three days later, it's like, well, it's actually not that big of a deal. Things kind of got better. We got a better imaging or whatever the case may be. That's good. At least you're not hurt. So the day-to-day designation, yeah. take it sometimes with a grain of salt, but then sometimes it could lead to an IL stint, but good to know that Tucker Took 106 off the shin. He's totally fine. He pitched last night. So talking about last night, right? Incredible game. Reed Detmers was throwing a no-hitter through, what, five or six innings? But then the Twins rolled all the way back 
But then, of course, the Los Angeles Angels take home the win. So you guys have been moderately struggling, kind of. Like, I know in the last 10 games, you guys are four and six, but you've won the past two. How has this recent stretch felt? Because you guys are also going through a really just rough stretch in the schedule. A lot of really good teams in division games. How has this last stretch of 10 games kind of felt to the team? We went to Cleveland, and Josh Naylor did something that nobody's ever done in baseball before and hit three go-ahead home runs in the eighth inning. It was like three days in a row. Like, it was unbelievable. Um, And we just kind of been playing really good baseball, but also, like, it's getting down to the seventh, eighth inning, and, like, both teams are good teams, and it's like, who's going to – who's going to make the mistake and then are they getting the next team going to capitalize and that was kind of always the thing of like is it too late for us to capitalize like we won in the ninth or like the ninth the other night and then we lost in the eighth inning the other night and so it's just kind of been like flip-flopping but it's more of we're playing good baseball we're getting hot i think the bats are getting there our starting pitching's really start stepping it up in there they're doing awesome and I'm, it's awesome to kind of just like watch how our like seasons progress because we've been like so close to uh like being very very good and it's just like one little thing of like can we just put it all together and we've just really taken a lot of steps and i think we're about to really get on a good uh little streak right here and we do we are playing some good teams like we got boston coming in next week miami is playing pretty good and it's just one of those we just got to take care of business yeah speaking about the bullpen a little bit um you guys, like, let's say you're in the second or third game of that series against the Guardians, and you know what Josh Naylor has been doing right now. Like, what what's the scattering report in a scenario like that, right? Like, a guy who's hit back-to-back go-ahead home runs in the eighth, he comes up in the bottom. Like, what's the point of even pitching to him? What's the scattering report for a guy like that who's so hot in those situations? It's one of those you just got to hopefully, like, go get, like, go make a pitch out there and just hope for the best. I mean, they know what you're probably going to throw and it's either, all right, I'm probably getting a fastball up or a slider away because that's pretty much what I do best. And that's what he doesn't do well. So it's, am I going to execute or am I going to hang one over the middle of the plate and he hits it? And if I execute, hopefully he swings or swings over it and I strike him out. And I think it's one of those, like any given day when the guys are hot and the pitcher might be hot too, like he might have things going for him well. And so does the hitter, but and I feel like that's just the beauty of baseball is like anything can happen on any given day. And I mean, you could be the best pitcher in baseball and give up a home run every once in a while. Um, it's just the way the game works. Or you might be the best hitter in baseball and they might blow fastballs right by you like you've never seen them before. So it's just one of those. It's so up and down throughout the season, especially with just emotions. And you just kind of learn to adapt and just go with what you have that day and be confident in yourself and then just move on to the next day. Absolutely. And um, I texted you pre-recording too. And I was like, I want to talk about the Angels bullpen because when I think everyone looks at this Angels team, you know about the offense, Anthony Rendon, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Taylor Ward. Yeah. I mean, I could just continue naming all the guys in the lineup. Like when you, the graphic of, Oh, I'm watching an Angels game. It's built on the offense, but then on the starting pitching side, you've said how good they've been and they have been good. And of course, Otani's at the top. But I think the most underrated aspect of the Angels, and this is not a diss, it's just when you have so much star power, you don't generally think about a bullpen. But when I look at this Angels bullpen, Jaime Berea has been fantastic. Matt Moore has been unbelievable. Carlos Estevez, the life on his fastball, I don't know how anyone ever makes contact against that guy. And we could just keep naming names, yourself included. Like when 
in the bullpen right now, like there has to be a really good energy, but who have kind of the guys that you've been so impressed with so far this season? Because the Angels bullpen, as we sit here today, is sixth in ERA in all of baseball. Like you look at the offense, they're ninth in OPS. The starting pitching staff is around league average. But when you just look at the stats, the bullpen has been the best unit for the Los Angeles Angels, which I don't think a lot of people are talking about right now. Right. I kind of think our recipe for success right now, and I think we've all kind of figured it out, is get to Matt Moore and Estevez. I mean, they've been lights out for us. They're throwing the ball well, and they're both just doing what they do well. And I think it's kind of cool to just like go out there and see it of like, Matt Moore, you're going to get a heavy dose of fastball, a good fastball, and you're either getting the curveball or the changeup, man. They're both very good weapons for him, and he will throw them in any count. Doesn't care if you're lefty. He's throwing a changeup, too, and I think that's pretty rare for a lot of guys, especially out of the bullpen. And then Estevez has just been electric. I think he really – Quijada went down early in the year with TJ, and kind of when that happened, like Estevez like really said, all right, I'm taking over this closer job, and like I'm running with it. And he's been amazing, just like – Hey, here's 99. I'm going to go get it for my boys every day. And I feel like that's what everybody's feeding off down there. It's just like, just be the bridge just, and let's continue to do this. Like starter, give us five, six, seven innings. And then let's just like have a good bridge and get to those guys late in the game because they've just been so dominant. And whenever you have a closer and like an eighth inning guy, it's just like, let's just conserve our bullets and get to those guys so they can do what they're doing and then move on to the next day. And I feel like that's just recipe for success right now. And we just got to keep it up. And Matt Moore is such an interesting story because he came up with the Tampa Bay Rays and he was considered the best pitching prospect in all of baseball. And he was great there in the early goings. And then he just kind of dealt with injuries, moved around a little bit, but then found a spot in the Rangers bullpen and dominated. And that's why he got his contract with the Angels and is just continuing all that success. Have you spoken with him about his transition from the rotation to the bullpen, finding this role? And now kind of the repetition that he goes through his daily routine in order from switching to a starter to an elite bullpen arm. Because we've seen this before, like Andrew Miller was a great starting pitcher. And I think if I'm not mistaken, he was in a big trade. I think he was, I know he was a Miami Marlins. I think he was in the Miguel Cabrera trade. Like, I think he was the big piece there. He was supposed to be a starter, moved into the bullpen, becomes one of the best left-handed relievers that we've seen in the last decade. Zach Britton, another guy, right? was supposed to be a starter, moves into the Orioles bullpen and finishes top 10 in Cy Young voting. Like Matt Moore is kind of making that transition to this elite bullpen arm. Have you been able to pick his brain about that transition? Yeah, I think he's just like utilizing his stuff just as much as he was as a starter. And I think starters kind of get exposed over the course of the year because they throw so many pitches. So everybody knows what you're throwing them. Um, They got a good idea how you're going to set them up, vice versa. And it's one of those, it comes down to execution that night. Who's better? And I feel like that's the way starting pitching goes. Did he execute a bunch of pitches or you leave it over the middle of the plate and get hurt? That's usually how uh, starting pitching. The bullpen, you're really going with what you have. And it is what it is that night. And you might have your fastball, you might have your changeup, but you don't have your curveball. And that's what you're going to roll with. And so you got to have to like go on the fly and be – just and rely on yourself of just like, I'm going to make a pitch here and go with it. And just, I feel like that's what he's done so well is just like curveball is good today. I'm sticking with it, but I'm not going to like vacate the change it because I know how good it is. And he, he sets up pitches really well. I think he uses a lot of like what he learned as a starter of just 
how to navigate lineups of like, okay, I've got these three guys going up. This, these pitches are going to be good to him. I got to get the fastball away to this guy and just talking to him. But as far as like routine, he said like last year, he was big, like on lifting, like every part of the series. Now he's doing something a little bit like every day. And it's just kind of like you find out what your body wants and like, and how it adapts. And I feel like I've had to learn that this year too, because like I've been starting pitcher in the past, but like, out of the bullpen now and it's more of like all right when do i get my lifts in what do i need to do each day what's my throwing like versus being so scripted whenever you're starting pitcher and i feel like that's really just the biggest difference it's just like all right this is my routine when i start this is how i need to change it up and then you can just really build off that and speaking about you before we get into your five favorite pitchers to watch right now um, you were dominating early on in the season, and your slider has just been such an incredible pitch for you. And it works so well off your other pitches. But, you know, even in our just baseball chat, people send in videos of your slider and be like, this thing is just disappearing, man. I mean, it's it's such a good pitch. And I know you ran into kind of a rough inning against the Rangers, but overall this season, like you bounced back then from it. Um, and the only reason I ask you about these adjustments, because I know you're going to make the adjustment and I'm seeing it happen in real time. So moving off of that rough outing against the Rangers, like how do you flush it, right? Because we have plenty of people listening to this podcast, maybe young pitchers who might be getting off a rough mm-hmm. outing and they're like, how do I make that mental adjustment, right? Because you've been there, done that every, you know, throughout your entire career, bad outing, great outing. It's happened with all pitchers throughout all of baseball about all time. So I'm curious how you then make that adjustment and just how you think this recent stretch has gone for you. I mean, I had a really good April and that's, I was just building like, all right, let's build on it. Had the terrible one against the Rangers. I mean, I gave up like four or five O2 hits. I think I lead bit relief pitchers in baseball in O2 hits given up this year. And that was something that like I had to make like a kind of like a mental adjustment, but like, all right, we got to be better O2. I'm, I'm not walking guys like I was last year. And it's like one of those like, all right, you got to put them away now that like you, you're you're heading counts, you're doing good at controlling the counts, and now you got to put away with it. And I think it was just like that blew up my ERA for the year. So like now I've got to battle down and be like, okay, but you can't be worried about being so perfect. And but you got to worry about execution. So I'm out there trying to just get outs at a time, and it's more of I got to get a slider in on this guy. Mount Castle did it. I got a slider in on him the other night. Broke his bat, 60 exabila, double. Thought. And it's just like one of those, it's like bloop. hang with him. It's baseball. And then you get the 104-mile-an-hour uh, fly out to dead center last night that Mickey Moniak robs. It's like one of those, this is baseball. But you're going to go with your strengths. You're going to do what it is. And it's more of I needed to throw more fastballs to get people off my slider. And that was kind of something that I had to just accept and be like, I've got to do this. You have a really good fastball. Why aren't you throwing it? And that's just something that I went into that Orioles outing and was like, all right, I got to throw more fastballs, got to do better. And just over the course of the year, it's like it's going to even out. And baseball is a funny way, but it likes to torture you, likes to reward you. And it's really just riding that and just sticking with your process and just mentally not giving up on yourself. Because once you mentally give up on yourself, like it's hard to get out of that rut. And I was kind of there at the end of last year just because – nothing's going your way and you're just like oh my goodness like why me and versus this year it's just like keep pushing keep sticking with it because eventually this is going to get better and you're going to have a two ARI for a month and you're going to be like ha like I'm so nasty now and like a month ago I was horrible so it's like one of those of like just ride the waves and continue to make good good pitches and just continue to learn because 
something happens, you give up a base hit, you're going to learn from it. You give up a home run, you're going to learn from it. Don't throw that pitch or, oh, hey, you made a good pitch, put a good swing on it. Do you think there's anyone in the Angels line or not lineup bullpen that you kind of look up to that has a mindset that you think is just perfect for the bullpen? Like it might not even be, you know, Carlos Estevez, who's the closer, but it's just someone who you kind of marvel at. Maybe not even someone on the Angels, but just you came across in your time between the Braves and the Angels that that mindset, you're like, that guy is a dog. Like up or down, he's going to stay level. Like, is there anyone in that Angels or Braves pen that you now are remembering who it's like, that's a reliever mindset right there? I think Carlos Stubbs is like the perfect, uh, perfect example of just like has the switch because like he's joking around, funny guy, like not joking, joking around, but like having a good time in the bullpen. Like we're bored out there. Like we don't have interaction with the guys hitting. Like we're two days behind here and everything that happens at the games because <laughs> somebody finds out the next day it trickles into the bullpen a little bit and then somebody else finds out about it. And that's just how it works. So we're we're behind on everything and we just get to to learn about just like different things of the game happening. And so he's so in tuned with everything because he sits in the, in the locker room, the first five innings. So he's the one catching mm-hmm. us up on everything, but he's got such a good memory of just things he's done to guys in like 2018. He'll talking about an AB and it's like down to like, I went fastball into this guy slider away. And then I tried to shoot him up, up and in. And then Blah, blah, blah. Happened. I'm like, that was five years ago. How do you remember this? This is a random Tuesday game in July or something like that. And it's just like one of those. And he's got a very good memory. So he understands baseball and how to pitch. So he could just start talking about that and joking around about whatever. And then it's like eighth inning flips the switch and you're just, and it just like turns into this like bulldog, like I'm not afraid of anybody. Like here it is. And then he goes out there first pitch 97 and just like, oh, he's got it today. And you just like feed off of him because he, he's such a good arm and just like he's painting right now. And he's been a blast to watch and just fun to watch his mindset and just how he turns into like that demon at the end of the game. Was there anyone on the Braves that you picked up that from early? Because, you know, in the Braves bullpen, I mean, they were coined the night shift for a reason like being within that clubhouse it has to be one of the better bullpens that we've seen in the last half decade was there anyone on the braves that you kind of pick some stuff up from well smith i think he's kind of been doing the like i don't have electric electrics high-end stuff like edwin diaz and that type of like i'm not throwing 100 but he's like i'm gonna go out there and throw 91 94 i'm gonna throw fastballs right where I want them. And then I'm going to throw brick and stuff and I'm going to challenge every hitter. And he doesn't care who you are. Juan Soto to Bryce Harper. He does not care who you are. He's going to go right after you. And I think that's the mentality you got to have of like, you're getting thrown in the fire in the bullpen of like basis juiced one out starters shoved. And next guy came in, struggled a little bit. And you're thrown in the fire and it's Mike Trout walking up the plate. You're going to have to make a pitch. And I think that's just one of the things of like, you're going to be in tough situations and you just got to dig deep and just go after it. And I think that's just what you see the really good guys that have been around the league for a long time. That's what they do of just like Bryce Harper. All right, here we go. We're going fastball up and it's going to be up or it's going to be two feet up. And if this is a slider right now, it is going to be down. I'm not going to hang this and end up on ESPN because eventually it's going to happen. So it's one of those of like, that's the mindset of going in there of like, I'm not, I'm not giving up the home run right now. I'm going to bury this slider. I'm going to get him out. That's really cool, too, because, you know, 
when you look at these Braves bullpens, like Will Smith is obviously not on the Braves anymore, but when you looked at the time, like Will Smith was consistently went to in those big type innings, like he recorded saves, like, but then you look at the rest of the guys and well, he's throwing 97 with 18 inches, 20 inches of induced vertical break. This other guy has 90 mile hour sliders, but it's like, now we're going to Will Smith. Like they didn't just go to him on accident. They went for him to a reason because of that mindset, but he also has such great command of his pitches. And when you're able to combine those two things, like you can get out of anybody in the world. And it's about having that confidence, which you kind of talked about earlier, like keeping the confidence as you move through each outing, because not every outing is going to go exactly how you planned. And even right. some, you might get a little lucky, right? You spoke about it yourself, Orion Mountcastle, 60 mile an hour double. I watched that at bat. That was the definition of a blooper. But then in the next game, the Mickey money, I grabbed home run. Like baseball is a forgiving sport in some sense. And the most yes. unforgiving port sport in other sense, you just got to ride the wave and stay level. And that's what I feel like Will Smith does, what Estevez does, and what you're doing. And that's how you're going to be successful here for a really long time. Right. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's just ride the wave. And that's all you can do. And it's a long season. You know, as a Yankee fan, uh, we had Carlos Beltran on our team for a little bit. And I would almost get pissed at him because he was so level. Like when the Yankees would win, he wouldn't smile. When we lose, he'd just be like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, can you show some emotion, please? But that's what made him arguably a Hall of Fame player. Like Robinson Cano, another one of those guys where it's just right here. And as a fan, it it makes you upset because you're like, I'm enjoying it or I'm depressed. Like I want to see the players on the field share those same emotions. But if you guys share those same emotions like a fan does, it could actually hurt your play on the field. So for, and that's something I've learned of watching baseball is like the guys who are the most level, it's a 162 game season in 180 days or 180 ish days. I mean, this is a marathon, not a sprint, like getting too high after a good outing. Like you strike out, you know, I don't know, like you strike out a Jordan Alvarez on a slider. It's great, but I got the next batter to deal with. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. I ain't celebrating shit. And even if you get a one, two, three against the Astros, maybe the next day, I'm going up against different hitters in the lineup. Like nothing changes. Like do your job day in, day out. So it's something I've learned as a fan. Like don't get mad at the players for not showing emotion just because I'm an emotional little bitch sometimes. So <laughs> I'll just say this. The baseball gods are always watching. Always so you watching. show them up. They're like, oh, I got you. You get oh. the slightest bit cocky. They punish you. So it's definitely stay humble to the game and just play your best and play hard every night. Let's talk about Tucker Davidson's top five pitchers to watch right now. This is going to be a good list. We talked about it with Walker Bueller on the Just Baseball show. He was speaking about Sonny Gray. He was speaking about Spencer Strider. You know, he named a couple other guys. Um, And he talked about some guys on his own team. But for this exercise, we don't want to hold out anyone because Reed Detmers is almost coming off a no-hitter. Shohei Otani's on a thing behind me. He's, He's pretty good at pitching, I think. I think he's pretty good. So we're not yeah. gonna we're not gonna talk about any angels per se, but these are Tucker's top five pitchers to watch right now. So let's start off. Who's you know, we're probably not gonna rank them five to one. These are just your five. So you start with anybody you you want. Okay, I'll just I'll just start off with this one. I think Clayton Kershaw's having an incredible year. And he's the left-handed goat to me for a reason. I think he's got a two five two right now, and he's just cruising around around right now. And I think just like watching his starts of just like things he does well and that's just executing the fastball and the slider. And 
it's always down. Like the slider is always down. It's right where he wants it. And if it's not, it's below the zone because that's how he does just avoids getting hurt. And then he's got the the legendary curveball. So I think just for me, he's awesome. He's incredible. I got to play, uh, be in his throwing group a couple off seasons ago. He's a great mind to just pick and just exactly, he knows what he's doing and he's, he's the legend he is because he just repeats so well. He's been in the big moments. He's punched a million guys out and he's just, he's cruising along for sure. The reason I love Clayton Kershaw so much is that he has been pitching in a decade, in a time, at least through the past few years where velocity is, you know, reign supreme, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's just trying to throw harder. Everyone's trying to get that induced vertical break on their fastball, like maybe a right. Spencer Strider or Bryce Miller with Seattle. And yet Clayton Kershaw throws around 90 to 92 miles an hour. He's got a slider and he's got a curveball, but it's the command. Like command yes. will just kind of always overtake velocity if you have good enough stuff. And Clayton Kershaw has good enough stuff because that slider, you said he's keeping it down. He's been keeping it down now for 15 years and nobody's been ever <laughs> right. able to touch it. But then it's like, you watch Clayton Kershaw highlights. Like if I were to go look up Clayton Kershaw highlights on YouTube, I'm going to see mostly curveballs, which I think is the biggest thing about Clayton Kershaw is that the curveball might be the prettiest pitch of all time. You go back to Fernando Venezuela with that curveball or Sandy Koufax, which are of course both Dodgers, but it's the loopy curveball that always gets the knees buckling, but he's made a living off locating that fastball and diving that slider low and in. I consider Clayton Kershaw maybe the greatest lefty of all time, right? Like you look at Randy Johnson, you look at Sandy Koufax, you look at a lot of these guys, but Clayton Kershaw has been doing it year in and year out. And in a, you know, in the same breath as like Verlander and DeGrom who live at 99 at the top of the zone. And it's not like they don't rely on command. Of course they do, but they're known for their electric pitch arsenal. Clayton Kershaw, you could definitely argue has a worse pitch arsenal than them. But I don't even think there's a debate that Clayton Kershaw has been better over this prolonged stretch. So I agree with you. Clayton Kershaw is as good as it gets, and he's 35 years old, and he's arguably a top five pitcher in baseball right now. It's kind of like what LeBron's doing in the playoffs, right? I mean, he's 38 years old. He's down 2-0 to the Nuggets right now, but he's still doing his thing. Like Kershaw's the same way. Everyone thinks, all right, at some point, Father Time's going to get you. But the way Clayton Kershaw works where he doesn't rely on velocity, we're watching Zach Grinke do it right now. So Clayton Kershaw is easily would be in my five. Who's that four for you? I'll go with one of my former teammates, Spencer Strider. I think that he has the best fastball in baseball. And the sliders improved so much since he's been in the big leagues. I mean, just from seeing it in the minor leagues to what it is now, it's incredible Like how quickly it's gotten so so good and it helps his fastball so much and I think the more and more the changeup improves for him the more and more batters he's going to continue to punch out and I mean he, t- he could tell you his fastball is coming and you're probably still not going to hit it I mean if you're building a fastball in a lab you're building him and it's kind of the way it is um everybody's goes in there and like it starts at my shins and ends up by at my chin so it's kind of one of those of just swing and hope you hit it and he's got very good command of it now and yeah. he's putting it down up in out and you're just like how do i hit this at 99 and then he and then he just dumps a slider in there at 85 and you you miss it by a foot because you're just trying to hit 100 so 
he's probably my favorite to watch. I mean, he's got the quadzilla, whatever they're calling him on Twitter. I think he's got the mustache. I think he's got the personality and he's just been a joy to watch. And I'm really excited to watch his career. Just keep going. 41 and a half percent strikeout rate. 41.5 with an that's 8% just, walk rate. That's just stupid. Like you shouldn't, that's like reliever numbers. Like you've thrown like Yenier Cano of the Orioles, right? He's thrown like 22 innings. He just gave up his first run, his last start to the Los Angeles Angels. You guys finally got him. But, um, or no, was it the, was it the Angels? No, who the Orioles? It doesn't matter. But Yenier Cano just gave up his last run. But what I was saying is that it's a lot different for a reliever to have a 40% K rate where that would still be elite. But from a starting pitching standpoint, and you spoke a little bit about the changeup, like that changeup usage keeps going up and up. And I just find it amazing that right now, I think the changeup is a plus pitch Mm -hmm. and it didn't take long at all. Like, is he just such a freak athlete that he can learn it that much? Like, how does that even work? I don't even know the question because I don't know how it works. How does a guy who is primarily a two-pitch guy develop the changeup in such a short amount of time and then make it a plus pitch? I just don't I don't even know the question to ask because I don't know how that happens. So basically, we have so much technology now. We can teach pitches and how they're supposed to move very quickly. So they can basically he's throwing changeups, they can give him a couple grips. This one stinks, this one's all right, this one's really good. And it's usually the the one that feels that's really good on track man is the most like weird grip or the one that like feels the least comfortable. And you're just like, all right, like, well, I'll throw it for a little bit. And it's not good for whatever, but the metrics are good on it. And you just like, I have no command of it. And then it starts to click. And then he has such good body control. I mean, he could sit there, hold at like every position on the mound and just like repeat it so well. I'm sure he could throw it backwards and do his or throw it and then do his mechanics backwards if he had to i think he's just one of those that can just control his body so it only takes a matter of time for him to start figuring out this pitch and then his arms on time all the time so he could just start repeating it and then it's like oh i can throw it here i can throw it there and then it continues to get better and he's just gonna have more and more feel with it and that's kind of the way like people develop pitches so quickly now of like oh, this is what I'm trying to do. Oh, I just have to throw it here. And then you start to get the feel of it and you just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Unbelievable. He's so much fun to watch. Who's the number three? Ooh, so I'm going to go with a pair of relievers from the Orioles that I just got to watch, Bautista and Cano, because their splitters are disgusting. And then they both throw just polar opposite fastballs. Bautista's 20 inches of vert and thrown at the top of the zone. And Cano is throwing negative five induced sinkers at 20 and you're just like how does it in but i don't get how you're going to hit those two guys in the eighth and ninth inning because they they are special special arms the orioles we talked about this on the just baseball show you got to give the orioles credit for creating a reliever lab because it's not even just cano or batista they have so many other good arms in that pen and yenier cano was a minnesota twin not so long ago with an 11.50 ERA. He just gave up his first run in 22 innings of work. And you talk about that sinker. It was getting blown up on the Twins. I remember him on the Twins. It was getting blown up. Like, that thing wasn't moving. Now it's dropping 20 inches, but it also has that 18 inches of horizontal run. So it's dropping and tailing at the same time. And then we talk about Felix Bautista. 
Like he just comes from up top and he's six, eight. And like, you see those videos of him, like running poles in the outfield with like a mm-hmm. teammate and he's like twice the size. Like, I don't even know how, like, unless you're Otani, who's already six, five, six, six, like a shorter guy, like you're almost looking up and then the sinker or the sinker, the splitter is going straight down. But then that right. fastball, you got to be ready for it a hundred miles an hour. Like among the hitters in the league that you've maybe talked about these two guys, what's the game plan? What's the game plan against these two? Try to not get the two strikes so the split comes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- that's what it comes down to a lot of those guys with just like punch out pitches like that. It's all right, let's try to get a fastball early in the count that I can hit because you don't want to get to two strikes and then you're having to f- see splitter, splitter, splitter and fight off that because eventually you're going to like get too far out front and just miss it and or tip it right into the catcher's mitt and you're going to be like, dang it, I'm out. So that's really kind of the, I think, the process that and just pray they leave something over the middle of the plate and just you put a good swing on it. <laughs> you got a pretty good list so far. Clayton Kershaw, Spencer Strider. You you took a pair of relievers with the Orioles, but I'm sure you could continue to go down the line with all of them. But Cano and Bautista have just been so unhittable. Let's keep moving through the list. Who's at two? <sighs> Zach Gallon's been awesome. Mm-hmm. Just He's been so great. I mean, I think the funniest thing he's done is that uh, accidental cut changeup thing that he threw and just yeah. took off the umpire's face. And everybody's looking around like, what just happened? And I'm sure everybody in the crowd's like, oh, the umpire just got hit in the face. But everybody's like, no, like this is a big deal. But I think just the way he's kicking command the ball, just up, down, in, out, throws changeups, throws a hammer of a curveball. And just keeps guys honest. And as soon as they lean out on, over the plate, throws a fastball in. And it's painted right there. So you have to honor him so much. And I think just the way he's really turned himself into an ace has been awesome the last like two years. So I just enjoy watching him every fifth day because he's going to d- go out there and fill up the corners. And that's, I feel like, kind of an under undervalued thing that a lot of thing, people just don't even do anymore. Because now it's more of throw stuff in the zone. We don't care if it's down the middle because the – xyz stat tells us it's better in the zone than versus it's out of the zone so it's fun to watch him actually go out there and do painting and just be bob bob ross and just paint in the corners i think that's just he's nasty with the curveball and everything and so it's been a pleasure to watch him too i really like your list so far because i feel like there's uh you know similarities between all these guys they're strike throwers right Clayton Kershaw is in and around the zone. Spencer Strider is really fun to watch because he's electric, but a lot of guys have electric stuff. His command is what I think makes him money because, you know, a lot of people throw 99, right? In this day and age in baseball, a lot of people have hard sliders. But the fact is Strider not only is the physical attributes of the pitch so elite, but it's where he can place it is what's making him one of the greatest pitchers in baseball right now. Then you look at a guy like Zach Gallen. Gallon is great stuff, don't get me wrong, but he's not throwing 99 miles an hour, right? But he fills up the zone, and he can throw these plus pitches wherever he wants, and that's what separates the guys who are good pitchers with great stuff to great pitchers, and that's kind of that separator there. And you look at all the guys that you've named so far, and Gallon is kind of that perfect pitcher to you know, amplify that right now because he's a guy with – Really good stuff. Not, I wouldn't say Zach Allen has like elite of elite stuff, but he has great stuff. But then the command just helps it play up. 
And Gallon just had a really rough outing against the Pirates, which was like his only blip in the season so far out of like his first one. So I'm interested to see how he bounces back because that's a sign of a true ace, right? You have a really rough start and then the next start you come back and dominate. So that's a guy who I, it's must watch TV to see how he adjusts and who's last on the list. Last but not least. So speaking of speaking of Zach Gallon, he has a two nine five after a rough one. Exactly. With sixty one innings pitched and seventy two strikeouts and a one whip. Like that's what I'm saying. Like a guy's gonna have one rough start this yeah. season, and I want to see how you he usually back. have one bad one a month. It's kind of the way like baseball goes. Of like your starting pitch, you get four to five starts a month. You're gonna have one bad one a month, and how bad it is is kind of what it's up to. Is it eight runs or is it four? And that kind of just dictates your month, but yeah, he's been incredible. I mean, his his career uh, regular season's a three hundred seven ERA, so that's I think that's pretty good. And then I'm gonna run off the list with Garrett Cole. He's he's another strike thrower, but he's he's the true ace. Um, here's a hundred whenever he wants it. Here's the slider. I'm gonna play right off of it. I think that my favorite thing about watching him is just like how he takes the most elite stuff in the league to actually pitching around it with it. And it might be how he sets guys up of like fastball off the plate for strike one, slider right off of it, fastball up and in as he started to lunge, and then he throws the curveball and he buckles and watches for a stri- uh, looking strikeout. And I think it's just one of those of just like he's fun to watch pitch because he executes so well. And it's such a good game call between him and Trevino because they know each other so well and how they want to attack hitters. And he's putting it where it wants. And that's when it's fun to pitch is whenever you can start throwing pitches because you see the pitchers move or the, the hitters move their feet a certain way. And you can throw the back foot slider now because he, he showed you he's going to lean out, lean out over the plate a little bit. And you've got the command of it that day and you know it's going right there. And you can put it a little two inches off the plate and stuff like that. That's what he's just doing every fifth day. It's so impressive to watch. And I mean, he's he's one of the best aces of the league. I totally agree. And it's so cool watching Garrett Cole every fifth day, too, because last season he struggled a little bit and it was mostly on the backs of some home runs. Like his home run to fly ball rate was way out of whack. He was, right. I think, second in baseball and home runs allowed. And it led to a 350 ERA. And like a 350 for Garrett Cole, that's terrible by his standards. For everybody else, that's great because he is one of the best pitchers in the last decade. Right. But, and I always felt last season that. I don't know if he trusted his stuff as much as he is right now. And it might have been a mental thing. I could be overthinking it, but it did look like he was kind of nibbling last year. And I'm like, you're Garrett fucking Cole. Like, trust your stuff. You have some of the best stuff I've ever seen from a starting pitcher. We see him doing that this year. He's like, I can't control if I give up home runs. But what I can't control is throwing the ball where I want it to. And that's what he's doing this year. And I've also seen that he's kind of done away with the cutter because the cutter kind of gave him a little bit of trouble. Now he's basically just fastball, slider, curveball, changeup. And I think he might be the overall best pitcher in the league as we sit here right now, competing with Gallon and Strider and Kershaw. But again, Cole is another guy. Fantastic stuff, but a strike thrower, right? Like you could talk about some guys in the bullpen who are throwing – like Camilo Duvall, for example, is throwing 104 miles an hour and he's got 92 mile an hour sliders, but it's like, not that he didn't make your list because you don't like him, but you have a type, Tucker. <laughs> you have a, type. have a type. It's, it's it's just these strike throwers who have trust in their stuff. 
you have to get guys out in the zone now with all the, the the strike zone is a true strike zone. You're not you're getting like everybody's mad about the ball an inch called off the plate. But Greg Maddox got five five inches both ways off the plate. I mean, the game has completely changed, and it's going to change even more when I'm sure the robo lumps come into play, and that'll be a different conversation for a different day. Um, but I think just like you have to get guys out in the zone, and expanding is now taking the ball and throwing it an inch underneath the zone because he's not going to swing at the pitch that's four inches below the zone because it's been a it's a ball out of hand to him because he's seeing it down, down, down. Okay. It's the same way with kind of up. You have to fastballs up. You have to throw it like in a range that he's not going to just absolutely quit on it because he's seen so many fastball pitches up right now and he knows where the top of the zone is. And that's, I feel like the hardest thing about baseball now is like, it is such a tight zone. You have to get these such good hitters that can hit this ball so hard so far and these tiny little spots and you can't really like, Oh, I'm going to throw this ball one Oh two, two inches off the plate and get called strike three. No, that's a ball. You're going to have to come in two inches and throw this on the, on the white. And that's kind of a hard thing to do, especially uh, whenever Mookie Betts is up there trying to hit it. Phenomenal. I mean, what a list. Clayton Kershaw, Spencer Strider, the duo in the back end of Baltimore and Yenier Cano and Felix Bautista, Zach Gallen and Garrett Cole. Those might just be the top five players in Major League Baseball on the mound. So fantastic list, Tucker. Again, thanks for coming on and doing this, of course, on the Arm Barn. This is episode five. If you have been enjoying this podcast, we'd greatly appreciate you letting us know with a five-star review, whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you are enjoying and you want to hear more, you want to hear more stuff that Tucker will break down, let us know in the comment section on our YouTube page. And sure. Definitely hit that subscribe button for more and more content from us. And we're, of course, we're going to have more player interviews. We had Brett Phillips on episode four. We had Patrick Sandoval on episode two. And Tucker's going to unveil his Rolodex of all of his friends, maybe Strider at some point. We'll see. But definitely stay tuned for the rest of interviews in this podcast. And Tucker, we got to get you back to the stadium. We got games today. We got to beat the twins. Yes. Got to beat the twins. Got to beat the twins. Well, appreciate it. Everybody listening. Tucker, you got anything else before we say goodbye? No. Thank you all for everything, for everybody listening. And let's get a, a halo dub today. We'll see you soon, everybody. Yeah.